0: judges chapter 7 tonight judges chapter 7 I'm this one is going to be a two-parter and we will uh, you are in an advantage if you are here this week um, for next week it's going to help you out if you were here for this week and so uh, we it, it's a two-parter tonight something I want to talk about but I'm, we're going to look at a story in the Old Testament and this story, this is one of the more unpleasant stories of the Bible. It's a, it's a very sad story. And a lot of times when you preachers, they will take these Old Testament stories and they will apply them to us in the New Testament age. And many times people, when they hear that, they'll get mad at them and think, you know, that, that's Old Testament. You know, That doesn't apply today. But I'm going to, we're going to go through this story and then I'm going to show you a chapter in the New Testament To show that this does very well apply to us today, the way that preachers have preached out of this, Uh, it is appropriate what uh, we learn from here and what's often been taught. And so I want us to look at the story. I want to preach a message that's important uh, through this story, but I want to show you, too, we got New Testament to back this up, what's taught from this passage right here. So in Judges chapter, or not Judges, Joshua, Joshua, I put Joshua. Yeah, I did judges in my notes. Joshua chapter 7. Joshua chapter 7, verse 1. says But the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing, for Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. And Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Beth Avon on the east side of Bethel, and spake unto them, saying, Go up and view the country. And the men went up and viewed Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said unto him, Let not all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and smite Ai, and make not all the people to labor thither, for they are but few. And I love the way these men are here after they go and spy out this land, because let's just do a little bit of history. How many remember the twelve spies that went into the land of Canaan? Uh, many years before this, remember how scared they got when they saw Jericho and those giants that we cannot take these people. We cannot do anything about it. And of course, consequences, 40 years in the wilderness, nobody over the age of 20 or 40, I can't remember what it was, uh, made it into the promised land. So the next time they went to Jericho, this time they went, they went with confidence, and sure enough, God, all by himself, defeated Jericho. All they did was march around it. They were just obedient to God. And then God literally defeated an army that would be impossible for them to defeat. And so, that was in chapter 6. So now we're in chapter 7. These guys have finally got their act together for the most part. And they're going and they see a city. Instead of coming back scared like they used to do, they come back, hey, we've got this. This is no problem at all. I mean, let's not even take our whole army. These people are few, and keep that in mind because while they were confident, while we like confidence, it's not always necessarily a good thing. Okay, and so keep that in mind. This attitude, I do like this attitude better than their old attitude of being scared. We look like grasshoppers in their sight. You know, this this was better, but it still wasn't exactly what they needed. So in verse five or four. So there went up thither the people, about 3,000 men, and they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai smote them, about 30 and 6 men, for they chased them from before the gate, even unto Shebarim, and smote them in the going down. Wherefore, the hearts of the people melted and became as water. All of a sudden, they're back to their uh, other side of Jordan, their wilderness mentality. They're scared to death. They went and got... Beat easily by an army they shouldn't have been beat by, and they're melted. They're scared again, and we'll read more of the story as we go here. But I, most of you probably know the story of Achan. But if you don't, you know what ends up happening. Uh, God tells them, "Hey, you got sin in the camp. Somebody has taken of the accursed thing, and they went on. The, they went to find who it was, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But I want us to. I want you to notice something here because one thing that God called the Children of Israel, often, while they were in the wilderness, uh, he would refer to them as the congregation over and over again. He always called them a congregation, a congregation, the whole congregation. And in the New Testament, when it was quoting a verse from the Old Testament calling them the congregation, it called them the church in the wilderness. Okay? And today, we are a church. We are a called out assembly of believers. We are a congregation. We are a, a set apart people of God. We are here. For the worship of God, for the studying of His Word, for the exhorting of the brethren. I mean, we do have, this is a very special place. And what we do here is it's very serious. It's very important. Being a part of a church and a part of a congregation, it is a very uh, sacred thing. It is something that we should not take lightly, something we should take very seriously. And I want to compare what Achan did and with, with the children of Israel to what one person can do in a church today. And before you say that was Old Testament when I'm saying some of this stuff, don't get too anxious to do that because we're going to look at some New Testament and show you the same thing. But here we see in verse one it says the children of Israel committed a trespass. Okay, the children of Israel. Now wait a minute. Who was it that did the bad thing here? It was Achan that did the bad thing. It was Achan that went and took of the accursed thing. It was Achan. And he did it. Listen, he didn't even do this publicly. He didn't do it in front of everybody where everybody can see it. People didn't turn a blind eye to it. He did it secretly. This was a secret thing that he did. He went and he took it and he hid. He hid the things that he took. And But the Bible says... Israel committed a trespass for Achan. And then it mentions Achan. Okay? And so he, I want you to notice here that this sin of Achan, it was Israel's sin. And I'm not trying to, you know, do scare talk today, folks. I, 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 it's not what I'm here for, but I just want to be real serious because if you are a part of Liberty Baptist Church and you have sin in your life, it's going to affect the whole church. It's going to hurt the whole church. Ah, uh, if I have sin, are you saying you want me to leave and get out of here? Nope. We want you to get right. You know that's what that's what God wants. He doesn't want us to have sin our life, but he does he doesn't want to cast us out either. He wants us to get right. He wants us to repent. And that's one of the reasons we have church. So we can be reminded of some of these commands we're supposed to be keeping, things we're not supposed to be doing. And whenever we do stray, we can repent and get right. And thank God He'll keep on forgiving you if you'll confess your sins. But uh, unfortunately, in many churches today, you're not allowed to preach against sin. You're not allowed to speak too strongly against certain things. You might offend somebody. You might run somebody off. But I'm convinced sometimes we might need to run people off. Not on purpose, but you just... You know, just the preaching of the truth is going to run plenty of people off. Okay, and it's never the goal. The goal is for them to get right. But what we have here is so important. Okay, more important than big numbers. It's important that we're right with God. More important than having you know every single pew full. More important than that is making sure the people that are here are right with God and in obedience to God. It is so important because what our church accomplishes for God it's not going to have anything to do with the amount of people we have here it's going to have everything to do with God and what he does and if we have sin amongst us if we are not right with God as a church then God can't use us and without him we can do nothing and we i want God to do a work here i want the holy spirit to move in the services cuz i I figured out already. I can't change lives. Okay, I can't fix anything. I, I can't do anything by myself. I need God to do something. And we've got. We've all got to understand that if we have sin in our life, that it doesn't just affect us. It affects everybody. It affects this whole church. That applies in your family. It apply, and it applies in the church. So God, He's angry. Okay, it says uh, for Achan the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah took of the accursed thing and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Achan. Is that what it says? No. The children of Israel. God was mad at the children of Israel because of what Achan did. And you know what? What you ought to do, maybe fill in your name, God was mad at Liberty Baptist Church because of Lonnie. I like blaming Lonnie like, I like for everything. But, I mean, you've got to look at it that way. We need to take it that personal. When you're out there and you're by yourself and you think nobody's looking, you need to understand that hey, what I do does not just affect me, it affects my whole church. And my church needs the power of God. We need God's blessing. We need victories. We've had we've had too many people come through here that we have not succeeded in helping. And there's there's too many people still out there that we have yet to be able to even try to help, and if we're going to start making a difference, if we're gonna bring revival to this area, we have to have the power of God. We are so dependent on it, it's not even funny. I mean, without the power of God, we're wasting our time here, we're spinning our wheels, I mean we might as well go home and watch T V like everybody else on Sunday night. But I don't want that. I want more. I want the power of God. And I'm here today to tell you that your sin can get God angry at our whole church. And I know, this is old. that's Old Testament. We're going to get to the New Testament in a little bit. So God's anger is directed towards the children of Israel. Israel's defeat, it had nothing to do because of God. It was all because of Israel's sin. Do you see in this story too, it says in verse 4, So there went up thither of the people about 3,000 men, and they fled from the men of Ai. This was a pretty small army that went up there compared to the army that they had because it was a small group they were going after. Now listen, after this happens, look at verse 6. It says, "...and Joshua rent his clothes." And fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord until eventide, he and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us in the hands of the Amorites, to destroy us? Would the God we had been content and dwelt on the other side of Jordan. Anybody ever heard those words before? Isn't that the same song? that they were singing in the wilderness over and over again, we should have stayed in Egypt. Now Joshua's saying, we should have stayed on the other side of Jordan. He's singing that same song and he's acting like something's wrong with God. Lord, what are you doing? What happened? Listen, nothing's wrong with God. He had just defeated Jericho not long before that and didn't need their help one bit. And here they've got a small army and they lose. And Joshua and the elders of Israel, they're having a big, you know, temper tantrum pretty much. They're having a big pity party and praying, renting their clothes, throwing dust on their heads and saying, Lord, what is going on? What's wrong with you? And that's what happens many times in churches, whenever things aren't happening, whenever the power of God is not moving in that church and nothing's happening, people start thinking, you know, What's wrong with God? Or, you know, they'll they'll just kind of you know, more, most people are uh, I don't want to say spiritual enough. You know, they they talk spiritual enough that they know better than to say, "Man, God must be losing his power." Okay, people know people know better than that. But many times they'll say something like, "Well, oh, I'm sure God has a purpose in this." Oh, really? You mean God's not wanting to save people? You mean God's not wanting to do a work? Oh um, man, maybe he's just trying to teach us patience. You know. It's all over the Bible that God wants to answer prayers. That God wants to show Himself strong. That God wants to do a mighty work. He wants to save souls. And many times when it doesn't happen, everybody looks around and like, what's God trying to teach us? Well, maybe God's trying to tell you there's sin in the congregation. There's something wrong with you and you need to get right. And many times when we suffer defeats, we sit around. What's wrong with God? Something bad happens. You know what's God doing? What's wrong? You know, but instead, when there's a defeat, what we should be doing is looking inward. I mean, I know this is easy for us here. Okay, we didn't just lose thirty six people in a battle. We didn't just suffer a humiliating defeat. Okay, I'm not Joshua, the one who's the leader at the time, standing there after this embarrassing defeat. Okay, so this is real easy for me to say, but what Joshua should have been saying is you know what should have went through his mind, okay, God defeated the Egyptians like nothing. Our last battle was against Jericho. That was unbelievable what God did. It wasn't long before that. God opened up the Jordan River so we could cross it. Obviously, God's got plenty of power. What's wrong with us? That should have been the first thing he thought. The first thing he should have prayed is, "Lord." He he should have said, "What did I do?" He just should have said, "Lord, we have sinned." And, "Lord, reveal that sin so we can get it right." That's what he should have done. And you know, that happens a lot of times too. You know, your kids do that all the time. I mean, your son could have just punched his brother in the nose, and you go, "All right, you're in trouble. What did I do?" I mean, they know they know what they did. But it's like they just don't want to admit they did anything wrong. And whenever we face defeats, and whenever we, you know, we lose battles, and maybe God has to chasten us a little bit, we do. We act like, "What did we do?" Instead of just confessing our sins. And so Joshua, he throws a little bit of fit, a little bit of a fit here, kind of has a temper tantrum, and then look what he says here in verse eight: o Lord, what shall I say when Israel turneth their backs before their enemies?" You know, Lord, because You're not showing Your power, the people are going to be scared. What am I supposed to tell them now? And not only that, for the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear of it, and shall environ us round and cut off our name from the earth. And what wilt Thou do unto Thy great name? Lord, You have just ruined Your name. You've embarrassed Yourself, Lord. All the enemies now are going to think we can take these people They got defeated so easy there. I mean, Lord, you really made yourself look bad. But was anything wrong with God? No. Is anything ever wrong with God? Nothing is ever wrong with God. But yet, many times, even in churches, when things aren't happening, when things aren't going great, when the Lord's not blessing, people will look around and, like, you know, Lord, all right, you're going to make yourself look bad. You know, Lord, how come you're letting that liberal rock and roll church? grow why are you letting great things happen over there and nothing's happened over here when we do everything right well lord all the lost people they're going to see what you're doing over at you know rock and roll church and see that nothing's going on over here and guess where they're all going to go lord and all those people are going to go to hell because you didn't show yourself strong at liberty baptist church that's kind of what joshua did and Pastors and church members do that all the time in their own church. But let me tell you something Israel's defeat was not because of God, Israel's defeat was because of Israel's sin. The last thing anyone ever wants to do is look at themselves and say, What did I do wrong? Nobody wants to do that. Whenever people face, uh, you know, they're facing consequences of bad decisions in their life, no one ever wants to say, What did I do wrong? That question never even comes to their mind. When well, that should be the first thing. That we think Israel's defeat was not because their enemy was stronger or greater in number than them. Okay, All we have to do is look at the Bible and see that numbers don't mean a thing with God, do they? They don't mean a thing. And yet, so their defeat was not because their enemy was stronger, because they beat way bigger armies many different times. And a lot of times, we will even do that. We'll look at our situation and say, "You know, Lord, there's no way we can do what these big places are doing. Lord, they've got a lot more people than we do. They've got a lot more money than we do. But let me tell you something. What do you think is going to accomplish more for the cause of Christ? A big crowd with a lot of money? Or a few people in the power of God? We see all over the Bible where the numbers didn't matter. Remember the story with Elisha and his servant against the whole army. They that be with us are more than be with them. How can that be? Because God... I've heard it said put it this way, God plus one equals a majority. I mean, if God's on your side, you're not going to be defeated. You can't lose. But yet... People today are wondering what is wrong with God, and I'm here today to tell you that nothing is ever wrong with God. If anything's wrong, the problem is with us. The problem, if, if Liberty Baptist Church starts to fall apart and go downhill and just or just do nothing, it's not going to be because of God. He wants to do something here. There are people all over this area that God wants to save, that God wants to do a work in, but if he's going to do that, we've got to make sure we stay right with him. Otherwise he's gonna to have to deal with us. And God can't do a work through us when he's busy dealing with us and chastening us. So we've gotta we've gotta take this stuff serious. And you as an individual, you can make all the difference in the world. In that area. And Listen, tonight I'm not saying this is going on. I, mean, I believe God's blessing. I'm not trying to pinpoint somebody and pick somebody out tonight and make you come up here and get everything right so you know we can pack this place out next week. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know these things, but I think this, these are things that we need to understand because um, I'm going to keep on preaching hard against sin because it's crucial that we, as a group, stay right with God. If God's going to do anything. But notice, well, let's uh, let's keep reading uh, verse eleven, and verse or verse ten. So this is after Joshua has sang this song that children of Israel had sang many times before, just change the words a little bit. To we should have went, stayed on the other side of the river instead of staying in Egypt. Verse ten, and the Lord said unto Joshua, Get thee up, wherefore liest thou thus upon thy face? Israel hath sinned. And they have also transgressed My covenant, which I commanded them, for they have even taken of the accursed thing, and have also stolen and dissembled also, and they have put it even among their own stuff. Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies, because they were accursed. Neither will I be with you anymore, except ye destroy the accursed from among you. Up, sanctify the people and say, "Sanctify yourselves against tomorrow." For thus saith the Lord God of Israel: There is an accursed thing in the midst of thee, O Israel. Thou canst not stand before thine enemies, until ye take away the accursed thing from among you. So right here, God lays it out. This is your problem, Israel. Sinned. They are they are accursed because they brought of the accursed thing in here, and it's like, wait a minute, while. Well, how come God just didn't tell them before? You know why? Cuz they should have asked. And let me ask how often do we ask God to reveal sin in our lives? That's not something we usually do. You know, my kids every once in a while, you know, they'll they'll come up to me, you know, one of the younger ones, and you know, they'll say, you know, dad, was I good today? And you know when they say that, when they know they were good, but when they know they were bad, they don't bring it up, do they? Because they know the answer. And they don't want to remind me of any, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not like God. I sometimes just totally forget things. But I remember Chloe for a long time did that. We had a long period of time where she struggled in church. And I remember there was a few times where she did good. We got home. Was I good in church today? And she was one just one to hear the praise. She was one to hear us tell her that she did good. But you know, we're not afraid to ask that when we know we're doing right. But if we're not asking that, it's because we know the answer. And we know that God's probably gonna tell us what needs to change and what we have done wrong. And Israel, before they went out, I think they got a little too confident because God had been blessing. And let me tell you, God's been blessing around here lately. I don't know if y'all noticed. I've you know, I've been in, you know, it's it's been good, but let me tell you something. We better not get all cocky and get all confident, and we better remember more than ever we are completely dependent on God. And every day we ought to ask ourselves, Lord, am I okay? You know, every night before you go to bed, Lord, did I do good today? You know, Lord, you know, were you pleased with my life? We have got to do that as a church, as individuals. We need to do that. Ask yourself, Lord, are you pleased with me? And I'm, but I'm just going to warn you: He will let you know if you ask him that. He will let you know if you're afraid to ask him that. Okay, you need to get right. You, we need to ask that question. We need to know. Okay, there's many things that I, you know, I've got big. Goals and dreams for this place. There's things that I want, to, I want to try, things I want to attempt and take on. But you know, if we're not right with God as a church, we are going to fail miserably. We will be defeated so fast, it's not even funny. But boy, if God's on our side, we're going to get to see some great victories. And so, the only thing standing between us and the great victories that has nothing to do with God, it has everything to do with us. And are we right with God? But when Israel got their eyes on God, God made it clear where the sin was at, and we're not going to take time to read through the rest of it. But sure enough, it was very clear; it was Achan that did it. They found, they found it. They went and they uh, they brought Achan before the congregation. They brought all the things that he took, the silver, the Babylonian garment. They took all those things. They took his entire family. They took everything that belonged to Achan. Everything that had to do with Achan. Everything that was associated with Achan. And they stoned them all. And they all died. Everything. And as a result of that, God was now pleased. And the next time they went to fight the battle... They won no problem. Now that's a sad story because we see an entire family die because of one man, one man's sin. But remember too, there was also the thirty-six other people that had died because of Achan's sin. And it's it's a hard thing for us. That's a, that's a rough. It seems it seems like kind of a rough punishment, doesn't it? But you know what? God was trying to show us in the Old Testament and He was trying to show Israel here the importance of keeping sin out of the congregation. That sin, them, you know, somebody bringing in the accursed thing, it cost the lives of many men. 36 probably fathers and husbands that died because of one man's sin. And if they just let that go, it's probably going to keep happening. You know, Achan, he got away with it one time. He probably would have done it again. In the next battle, he eventually might have told one of his friends, hey, you know, we don't have to destroy all this stuff. Hey, you want to know how I got that nice camel out there? I I, I stole some silver from the last one. And I was able to pay for that. Oh man, I'd like to have a camel like that. You know, and, and, you, and before long, you are going to have Israel... Kind of like they were where they're just completely away from God, worshiping idols, sacrificing their children to false gods. And God was trying to show them in those early days what they had to do. And it seems harsh and tough for us, but look at the sin. I mean, just think about here at Liberty Baptist Church. And I, I'm not God. I don't know how everything plays out and what affects the cause and effect of everything. But let's just you know, assume a few things here. But you know, let's think about uh, some of the crimes that have taken place around here. Okay? You know, you may you know maybe some of the murders and things that have happened. You know, what if if we had the power of God in this place, maybe we would have reached those people for Christ. Maybe that murder wouldn't have happened. You know, who knows? Maybe one of the next big shootings are going to take place around here. I hope they don't. But you know what? If we don't maybe maybe we're supposed to reach that person. And if we don't, think about you know, just think about all the bad stuff that goes on in this world every day. When you watch the news, you hear about bad stuff. Maybe those are people that the church was supposed to be reaching. And so, when we if so, we can't know. We're not going to know till we get to heaven. But let's just suppose, all right? Let's just suppose that the next mass murderer he's from right here in Rock Falls. Okay, and we decide we're going to go out visiting. All right, me and Prince were out knocking doors. But Prince isn't right with God. I'm not going to use me as an example. I'm going, to use, I'm going to use Prince. Prince isn't right with God. We don't have the power of God going with us because he's just—he's been messing with things. He's been, you know, you know, drinking, smoking, gambling, and chewing, and all that stuff. And he's—I mean—he's—he's he's not right with God. He's out there just putting on a show. And we go and we we knock that guy's door and we talk to him and we witness to him. We give him the gospel and we have no help from the power of God because of his sin. We don't win him. A while later he goes and you know I don't I'm not saying that's gonna happen. I don't know how these things play out. But not having the power of God is going to have a ripple effect that we can't even comprehend. We've got to be reaching people with the Gospel. Look at the state our country is in right now. It has nothing to do with the politicians. It has nothing to do with God. It has everything to do with the Christians. We're not doing our job and getting the Gospel to people and teaching the people to observe the commandments of God. And so, us not being right with God can have serious consequences. Prince not being right with God that day had the, you know, had the results of another mass murder taking place, which is another result of that. Obama finally gets what he needs to pass all the gun control laws he wants, which now because all the gun control laws have been passed, they've taken our guns, and now the government's able to completely take us over thanks to Prince. <laughs> and and I, know, I know I'm using the extreme there, but you see how these the cause and effect of things and we need to have the power of God if we're going to accomplish anything. There is no telling what we are, you know, kind of problems we're stopping by reaching people for Christ. And so we've got to take this stuff serious. We look at that story with Aiken and say that was harsh, that wasn't fair. But listen, who knows how much sin was stopped and destruction was stopped as a result of that. And so we've got to keep that in mind. But when Israel got their eyes on God, God made it clear they took care of it. So how do we so how do we prove that this applies to us today? Well, go to First Corinthians chapter 10. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to go to the New Testament. And I want to show you a few things in here because a lot of people don't like it when you take these Old Testament stories and apply them to us today. But I think it's absolutely appropriate. First Corinthians 10 1, Moreover, brethren, I would not have you be you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. But with many of them, God was not well pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. "...neither be ye idolaters, as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed, and fell in one day." Three and twenty thousand. Twenty-three thousand because of fornication neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happen unto them for in samples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. Right there, God tells us, all those stories that you read about in the Old Testament, they were written for our admonition. They were written for us to learn from. We are supposed to look at those and apply them to ourselves because they, they do apply. God didn't put them in there just because they're good Sunday school stories. He put them in there so we could learn lessons from them and we wouldn't make the same mistakes. Right there in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it proves it. Okay, so now, well, what about the whole. Achan thing making the whole congregation sin. We'll turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, something Paul had dealt with in an earlier chapter. It says, it is reported commonly that there is fornication among you. And such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. Okay? Here's a man that married his father's wife. Probably his stepmom that's out of line. okay? That's that's clearly spelled out in the Old Testament law. You don't do that. okay? But, there was a man in their church that had done that, and he says there's fornication among you. Talking to the whole church. Now, it was only one guy. It was only one guy in the church. But he said, there's fornication among you. He got on to the whole church. And look what he said in verse 2. Are you... And are ye puffed up? And have not rather mourned that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you? When he says, puffed up. You know, you know, people they get arrogant sometimes about things, and especially when they are out of line and they do wrong. And kind of the way this would happen today, okay, well, what would happen if I went to ninety nine point nine percent of churches out there today, and I went there and I did like Paul, and I went there and I called him out, hey, you got somebody that's been fornicating in your church. Well, you know, we aren't one of those legalistic churches that judge people. We don't judge, okay? Which is foolish and is wrong not to judge in situations like that. Okay, and I'll show you here in just a second. Look what it says in verse 3. For verily is absent in body, but present in spirits have judged already as though I were present concerning him that had done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when ye are gathered together in My Spirit with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ to deliver such and one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the Spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. He told them, that, hey, you're supposed to take care of these things. You're supposed to deal with these things. When you come together, you're supposed to deal with it. You need to send him out of the church. He needs to be... Kicked out. He needs to be delivered over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so the Spirit will be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. And you, I mean, he told me, you're puffed up. You should be mourning. Now, we don't enjoy doing this. Okay, I would worry about a church. Hey, alright folks, we just found out so and so has been fornicating. We are going to kick them out of the church and everybody gets excited and starts clapping. All right? no, no, Hopefully, no church would be that way. You ought to be broken hearted about it. Okay, we should be sad if that happens. And, you know, thank God, if that happens, you know, it's not an automatic they get kicked out. They're allowed to repent, aren't they? And get right. It's if they won't repent, it's if they won't get right. Then you have to do that. God kind of laid out the guidelines for that. But He told us, and in Corinthians, we're not going to look at all the places where He taught them how they are supposed to judge themselves. Not as individuals, themselves as a church. They were supposed to judge things. They were supposed to take care of these things. And there was a man among them that was fornicating and the church did nothing about it and they were hurting the whole entire church as a result of that. And so just like back in Achan, Achan took the accursed thing, but the children of Israel sinned. In the Corinthian church, one man was in a fornicating lifestyle, but there was fornication among them. It was on the whole church. They were commanded to remove that one. They were, the one who was causing the offense, he told them, you need to deliver him to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. It is the responsibility of the church to judge themselves and therefore judge the offender. Look at, let's keep reading verse 7. Purge out therefore the old leaven that ye may be a new lump as ye are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Leaven is always a picture of sin in the Bible. And he said, Purge out that leaven. Why? Because a little leaven, leaven at the whole lump, like he said in verse 6. If you have just a little leaven in there, it will make all of the bread unleavened. And if we've got a little bit of sin in our church, it will cause all of the church to be in sin. And that was what it was in the Old Testament. Congregation, and that's what it is in the New Testament congregation. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Verse 8, Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators, yet not altogether with fornicators of the world. Okay, so which people do we throw out? Alright, if I see somebody out there you know, maybe they didn't. They're not dressed the way I think they should, or maybe you know, they do something I'm not for, or something I preach against. Do we throw them out of the church? Well, he told us what things to throw people out. Throw people out for. And I hate saying it that way. It kind of sounds too fun, you know, and it's not fun. Okay, it's sad. It should break our hearts. But he says, "Don't company with fornicators, yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world, or with the covetous." or extortioners, or with idolaters? For then must ye needs go out of the world. Okay, and we're not going to expound on all those things, but he, he laid it out what they're there, therefore. But now I have written unto you, not to keep company, if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator, or covetous, or idolater, or a railer, or drunkard, or extortioner, with such an one, know not to eat. For what have I to do to judge them also that are without? Do not ye judge them that are within." But them that are without, God judgeth. Therefore, put away from among yourselves that wicked person. Within, we are to judge ourselves. We are to govern ourselves. Okay, God expects us to do that. Israel back then, with with Achan, they should have governed themselves better. They should have, you know, been paying more attention to what was going on but many times we just get lazy we get careless about sin We're not worried about it one bit and God told us to judge these things well you know if somebody has sin God will deal with them Actually here in Corinthians it tells us to okay and I'm not trying to start a bunch of you know, I don't want to get us to get a bunch of tattletale and stuff going on around here let me make sure it's it's one of these things and, and I, I don't ever want to throw anybody out of the church I don't ever want to do that. But, if we're going to have the power of God, we are going to have to keep these things out. If it happens, if it's going on, it needs to be confronted. It needs to be dealt with. Otherwise, God can't use us. And that was spelled out in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. It was the responsibility of the church. So, Lastly, real quick, if God's still the same today in the New Testament as He was in the Old Testament, why didn't Paul tell them to stone that man? Wouldn't that be a little more effective? (laughs) I guarantee only one person in the church would do that. Why didn't He stone him? And the reason for that, and I'm throwing this in here because that is a question that comes up, when people compare the way Israel dealt with Achan And we try to apply that to the New Testament. They're like, why aren't we stoning our church people then? Well, there's a good reason for that. Israel in the Old Testament, not only were they a spiritual nation in the Old Testament, but they were also an earthly nation. They were an earthly nation. And since they were an earthly nation, God did give human government, He did commission them to execute people, didn't He? Like, whosoever sheddeth man's blood by man shall his blood be shed. Israel was not just a spiritual nation. They were an earthly nation. Therefore, they did, as a nation, have the authority to carry out those laws and sentences that God had given in the Old Testament to stone people. But as a church, okay, today, we are only a spiritual nation, aren't we? What do you think would happen to us as a church if somebody did something we took them out and stoned them to death? Well, we wouldn't be a church very long, would we? And listen, even Jesus didn't do that with the woman that was taken in adultery. Why? Because it was unlawful for them to put any man to death during that time. Rome was in was in power. And you know what? Jesus didn't come to stone people. He came to forgive sins. And He forgave that lady. Why? Because obviously, she was sorry. And if people are sorry, if they confess their sins, we can forgive them. Even if they deserve to be stoned, we can forgive them, can't we? We can forgive them. They can be brought right back into the fellowship. They can be restored. Thank God for that. They don't have to die for their sin. Jesus Christ died for their sin. But now, our government's still able to put people to death, okay, for certain things and certain laws. But the church, the New Testament church, has never had that. God has called us to be a, we are a spiritual nation, not an earthly nation, and the church has never had the authority, according to God, to execute people. Now, churches have. Catholic church in many uh, parts of the world in different times of history, they often put people to death, but they never had any business doing that. And uh, the Catholics have never understood separation of church and state. Uh, that, that's always been a, more of a Baptist thing there. So... These stories are a reminder to us that sin in our lives does not only affect us; it affects so many more. And if Liberty Baptist Church does not go on and do great things for God, it will not be because of God. It will not be because our enemies are stronger than us. It's not going to be because you know the liberal crowd's stronger. It's not going to be because the world's too strong because people are too far gone. It's going to be because there's sin in the camp. And in Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen, it says, "He that covereth his sins." Shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. And I hope that will be your attitude today, Lord. What's what's in my life, Lord? Am I being good? And if He points something out, get it right. We need you to. We don't want you. We don't want you to leave. We don't want to throw anybody out. We want everybody here that we can get. If you're not right with God, I want you to get right. And that's that's a lot easier. The way of the transgressor is hard. It will be harder for you if you don't. You will be better off. You'll be happier if you get right. And we will all do better, and we'll all accomplish more. So with that, let's all stand together. Purge out the old leaven. Purge out there for the old leaven. We got to keep that.